And if you're telling me that you want me to carry a human being in my body for nine months only to have it depend on me and need me for the rest of his life, it's like I something about that just doesn't sit right with my spirit. Like I just it's not one plus one is not giving me two. Welcome to Miscellaneous Thoughts, the podcast where we talk about religion, politics, and all that jazz. In this episode, I'm coming through with a very a chill episode because I tried to record this other episode like three times. And the last time I recorded it, it was so good. And then it didn't save. And so if I seem as though I have a, bit, a little bit of an attitude, it's because I do. <laughs> I'm really upset right now because it's like I spent so much time recording these episodes and like I and like I can't post them unless they're perfect to me. And so Ah, I'm I'm really mad, but it is what it is. Um But anyway. In this episode, like I said, it's going to be a very chill episode. I'm just going to be sharing with y'all my thoughts, things I've been thinking about lately, um, and whatnot. Let's get into this. So, the first thing that I've been, that's been kind of on my mind was the fact that, like, I'm one year older. Um, it's, I feel like, I don't know, how, how do I even feel about everything? I don't know. I think I really enjoyed my birthday week. Because my birthday actually um was on the last day, bro. Well, not last day, but towards the end of the end of spring break. And so, you know, right before that whole entire week before, I was able to hang out with a lot of my friends. I was able to just really watch TV and just do a lot of stuff I wanted to do. And so, I felt like I had a really enjoyable birthday week. So that even so that even though I didn't really go out the day of my birthday, I still felt as though that I had really, really enjoyed my time really enjoyed spring break and really felt very appreciated and loved during my birthday week or whatever. So it was a really chill day. I mean, it was Sabbath, so I didn't really do anything for most of the day. But um, And I'm kind of like a homebody, so I had actually had plans to go out Saturday night with my family, but I was like, I actually don't want to leave the house. Like, I'd rather just be, be in my house wrapped up in some blankets or watching TV or whatever. I just... So I didn't do anything the day of my birthday, but... It was still a really chill day. I had a lot of fun. I got some really cool gifts. I'm actually recording on one of my cool gifts. I got a, um, a nice podcasting set. And so if the audio sounds a little bit better, you can thank my family and friends for gifting me some really cool podcast equipment. So, um, but yeah, I had a really chill, chill birthday week. That's pretty much about it. I kind of, I think 23 is very close to 25, which is very close to 30. So I think internally I'm kind of panicking because I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm almost 30. I'm almost 30. And like, I know, like, of course, 23 is actually like, what, seven years? Well, up seven, eight, nine, ten. It's actually seven years away from 30. So, you know, yes, I'm not that close to 30. But still, it kind of feels as though like I am kind of slowly approaching 30 years old. And it's like, it's just weird to kind of think about myself being a whole 30 year old, you know, in the next six, seven years. It's just, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird for me to think about. But I'm kind of also oddly excited to turn 30. I kind of, and maybe I'm just kind of glamorizing myself or kind of fantasizing what, what, what I would be like at 30. But I imagine myself to be way more stable and way more grounded than I am right now. I feel like just coming out of college and going for my master's degree, I just feel like very like, I feel very stuck. You know, I also live, I also live with my parents too. So it's also why I'm just like, uh, but I think at 30 years old, I think I would just have my life more together. I would have been done my master's degree. I'd be working working in, in my field of interest. But, you know, I just, 
I feel like I should be in a better place than I am right now. And I'm kind of, I'm looking forward, not so much to all the responsibilities of being a 30 year old, but I'm looking forward to more of the independence and more of the freedom of being able to really at least feel more than a, more like an adult than I do right now. So yes, that's kind of my thoughts on just becoming one year older. Something else that has also been on my mind is the podcast. And so, y'all, I'm so protective of the space I cultivate here. But I do want to share this space and I do want to amplify more voices. You know, I'm always down for a good conversation. I want to do at least one interview style episode at least once a month. That's kind of my goals for this podcast. I want to have a healthy mix of different voices and different opinions to kind of really add to the conversations that I had on this on this podcast. Something else that has been on my mind in regards to podcasting has also been just me trying to decide how much do I want to share on this podcast. One thing that's kind of been on my mind recently in regards to podcasting and type of content I'm, I'm sharing is is whether or not I want to try to really buy into the whole notion of commodifying personal trauma. You know, it's very easy to build a following and to gain listeners when what you're doing is really just exploiting yourself. And from the beginning, you know, I, I told myself that I don't want to do that. I don't want this podcast to be only about me. I don't want to use my traumatic experiences as the center of of um, entertainment or consumption for you know my listeners. I don't want to do that. But you know, I, I would be lying if I if I said that I didn't think about how much how much more of a range I would reach if I was to just expand or challenge the level of vulnerability I feel comfortable sharing on this podcast. You know, there are times where I'm just like, you know what, if I was to perhaps talk about the way in which my parents' marriage has affected my own, my own, um, my own views on marriage, then maybe, you know, I would be able to kind of reach more of these people, or maybe I would kind of get more listeners or whatever. I, you know, I, I think about it, or maybe if I was to kind of divulge about all my childhood trauma or whatever things I've been through, then maybe I'll be able to kind of get more of that, that specific population or that, that group of people that I think probably really benefit from my podcast. But it's like, I just have to kind of ask myself, like, is it worth it? Like, is it worth me really trying to divulge all my personal experiences just to kind of gain more listeners, just to gain gain more people that follow me or whatever platform I'm I'm trying to promote? Like, is it really worth it for me? And and right now I don't I don't think it is. I just don't think it is. Um, another thing that kind of comes up for me when I think about commodifying personal trauma or just kind of oversharing um, personal experiences is that I I kind of want to control the narrative. And, you know, I'm sure my feelings around control are linked to a much deeper issue. But, you know, the reason why I don't want to kind of commodify my trauma or use my personal experiences as a magnet for listeners to my podcast is because I want to be viewed in a certain way. You know, I'll be lying if I said I don't care about what people thought of me. I I've, I have not matured to a point in which I'm able to exist in this world independent of people's opinions. You know, people's opinions do do affect me. They do influence the way I act, the way I behave. Like, it just is what it is. Um, And the best way I can kind of... Best way I can kind of control the way pe- people perceive me is by not sharing too much or being very selective of what I share. And so that's kind of my thoughts. And I also just value privacy. Like, generally, I am a very private person. Even on social media, I don't post a lot about myself. I like to live a very private life. I think people that know 
that need to know will know. And that's all that matters to me. I just don't think for me that social media is a platform for me to really be super vulnerable and be super open with people that I don't even know. Social media to me is not real. I think social media has very real effects on people. I will not downplay that. But I think social media is not a real place. Like a lot of people are performing. They are performing their ideal versions versions of themselves. They are performing what people want them to perform. And so it doesn't make sense for me to try to try to even be vulnerable in a space that's just artificial. The algorithm rewards a sense of superficiality. And so I don't I don't think that a lot of these social media platforms are the place to be authentic with people. Now don't get me wrong, there are a lot of that are authentic, but you know, I don't think that's most people. And maybe I'm just being pessimistic, I don't know. Maybe I'm being realist being being a realist, but I don't think that most people on Instagram show up as their real selves. And yeah, I just, you know, why would I be vulnerable and authentic in a place that doesn't value authenticity? Like why? Okay. The last thing I want to talk about is children. So um in in the episode called Love Lies, I talked about a few chapters from Bell Hooks Bell Hooks book all about love. And one of the chapters she talked about was justice and I kind of said how, you know, sometimes parents, they, you know, whether intentionally or intentionally kind of convey to children that love is abusive or love is violent. You know, when they beat their children, they say, you know, I'm beating you because I love you. They're confusing their children about what love really means. Like they're telling them that love, love hurts. Love, love is painful. Love, love means violence. And that's just something that I don't really agree with. And so. I think I'm, I, I know that if I was to have children, I probably wouldn't rely too much, um, on physical punishment because I think it really just kind of sent them the wrong message. Just kind of on that line of thought, what I was thinking about was how, was how a lot of times when parents discipline children, what they're really doing is displacing the anger, the frustration they feel for their boss on their children. Well, they're really just trying to enforce their power on a weaker party. Parents won't admit that the main reason why they might be beating their children is because they want to flex their power. That's because they want to show the kids that they have dominion and power over them. But I think it is true in some situations. I think parents do kind of just want to feel as though like they are the authority figure. And, and because they, you know, they're forced to kind of just to be under someone else's rulership, to be under someone else's leadership you know, at work, it's like when they come home, they want to be in charge. They want to be the ones that are able to call the shots and, you know, make others suffer or whatever. And that sounds very like villain-like, but I think, you know, whether or not, whether or not they can subconsciously really understand it, it's like, it is kind of just a power flex for many parents. Being able to discipline their children and just literally beat them with all the energy they have in their bodies. It's, it's, it's them trying to say, you know what, I'm in control in this house. And that's just what it, what it really is. The more older I get, I I can relate to some extent um, to the utter frustration my parents felt having to work long hours and still come home and parent disobedient children. I kind of, I get it. I do get it. When I come home, when I used to work full time, I would be so exhausted and I would just like, I wouldn't want to do anything. I just, I, I can't imagine having to literally change diapers and scream at kids and have them and make dinner after leaving work. Like I just, I... I respect my parents so much for, for all they've done for me, for even 
for just having to sacrifice and push themselves to take care of me and my sister. I legit appreciate that. But at the same time, I can still say, you know, sometimes when they used to spaz out at me, it was really just them trying to, trying to really have me submit to them. It was, cause you know, at work, they're submitting, they're submitting to their bosses. And so when they come home, they want someone else to submit to them. They want to be able to have power and authority over someone. And I was to ask them, like, why did you beat me? They would say, oh, you know, you were disputing whatever you were, you were, you were misbehaving. But like, okay, like, you know, there were many times when like they would be screaming and just shouting. And it's just like, it's really not, it's not a big, not that big of a deal. Like you're doing the most. You're doing the most. And like, I, I knew, I know that there are times when they were spazzing out and they knew they were doing the most. Parents, a lot of parents very rarely admit when they're wrong, especially with their kids. It's a pride thing because it's like, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to seem as though capable of making mistakes. I think parents do know that the ways in which they spend their children isn't right. They, they know that the, the violence that they use is wrong and they still do it because it's a habit but i think another thing is that they they're not willing to change their way it's like it's a habit but they're also just kind of they're not willing to find different ways of releasing their own anger they don't they're not willing to find ways of dealing with their own issues so instead they just they beat their children because it's easy it's convenient the last thing that i want to talk about is my benign fear around having to carry children I think the reality is that maternal morality is unnecessarily high among black women because they're black. You know, the fact that they're black is the reason why they're treated so unfairly, is the reason why their their fears and their concerns are not being heard and they're not they're not being seen. And if you've never seen me in person, I am indeed black and um hold, let me just check real quick. Yep, I'm still black. So, you know, I think this is actually a, a real fear for me, like just thinking about the fact that one day I'm going to be an expecting mother and my worries and my concerns might not be validated. They might not be heard. Not only do I have to worry about the fact that I'm literally carrying a child, literally carrying a whole human being in my body. I have to also worry about the fact that I might be ignored when I say that, you know, I'm having abdominal pains and I'm worried about something. I might not, I might not be seen because I'm a black woman. That's a real fear. It's not something that I think about a lot, you know, like it's just on my mind constantly. But I do from time to time kind of think about the fact that, you know, this is like a risk. Carrying a child is a risk. And it's even more of a risk being a black woman. I'm also just not in a place where I can say that I'm willing to risk my body for another human being. Like, it's just like, I don't know. I I am admittedly selfish right now. I'm fairly confident with the way I look. And, and if you're telling me that you want me to carry a human being in my body for nine months only to have it depend on me and need me for the rest of his life. It's like, I, something about that just doesn't sit right with my spirit. Like, I just, it's not, one plus one is not giving me two. So, you know, uh, like all jokes aside, you know, I do kind of, I do like children. I do want to have a family of my own, but I think this is, this is something that I think about. The mothers that have lost their lives just because the doctors didn't believe, believe them when they said that they were in pain, didn't believe them when they said something was wrong. The notion that black people, black women are able to take more pain, that they're able, that they're less human is a prevalent thought in many healthcare fields that lead to black women, black expecting mothers not giving the care that they deserve and that they need. And so 
those are my thoughts. I feel like I was just all over the place with this episode, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Rate and follow this podcast. I always say this at the end, but like go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and please rate this podcast. Leave a cute little rating and follow the podcast. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.